You're listening to Dauber Prospect Radio. It's Peter Harling and Ainsley Scott coming back at you after a three-month hiatus. We'd like to say we are on a, an extensive scouting trip of uh, Europe, Scandinavia, and the subcontinent. But the truth is, we were just we were just busy. But it's good to be back. How's it going, Ainsley? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Peter? It's been a long time, but I'm doing good, man. Uh, quite a bit has happened since our last episode. It has. We've had a multiple trade deadlines in the CHL. We've had uh, World Juniors. We've had a top prospects game. There's been uh, so much to talk about, but uh, we've both been busy. And unfortunately, we can't cover it all in one episode, but we'll do our best to recap some of the highlights. Yeah, yeah. So let's get to it. It's a lot of hockey to talk about. The World Juniors is pretty far in the rearview mirror, and it's been, it's been pretty covered. Uh, I did have a chance to go and attend live the CHL Top Prospects game. So let's just talk about some of the players that were in that game as general and, uh, and see where it takes us. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So I think the first thing that we talk about is, is this game was a head-to-head for second overall between uh, Philip Zidina and Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, so going into the World Juniors, Svechnikov had a lot of the momentum and was kind of the <clears throat> consensus second, if not still in contention for first overall. I think after the World Juniors, everyone just kind of said, all right, it's, it's Rasmus Dalit and everyone else. And then at the World Juniors, Philip Zidina put on one hell of a show and uh, threw his name in the hat for second overall. At this game, I would say again, Zadina stole the show. He outscored uh, Svechnikov a little bit. In some people's mind, won the second overall ranking. Uh, did you see this game as a, as a tipping point in the debate or not? I would put more stock in what happened at the World Juniors just because the Czech team was a little bit undermanned. It wasn't the most powerful team that we've seen in years past, and yet he was able to help elevate that play. There was a couple players, him and Martin Nikash as well, uh, who was a Carolina draft pick last year. They worked extremely well. Sometimes they played together, and sometimes they were on on different lines. And then we're just both dynamic with the puck, and, and we're able to actually just uh, control the zone for extreme amounts of time. So Zadina is one of those guys that... He can just complement pretty much any squad that he's there. He's got NHL-level talent and vision as it is now. It's going to be a question of whether or not he can translate it, but because he was able to do it at the World Juniors, I think that that is more impressive to me than being able to do it in a single tournament like the uh, CHL Top Prospects game. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And uh, one thing uh, I try to keep in mind when watching a single game like this is it's you try not to to knock a player down in his rankings based on a poor performance of the top prospect game. But at the same time, you can uh, you can really raise your status. Um, so I don't think Svechnikov hurt himself. I think Zidina helped himself a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Just kind of reassured what we already knew. But let's, let's move on. Let's talk about one player that uh, hasn't maybe got a lot of uh, ink and airtime. And he's a player that I think really uh, raised his profile. And that's as like a last-minute late addition to the team, uh, Aiden Dudas. He's the uh, the little engine that could, five foot seven, 162 pounds. So he's a slight guy. Um, I mean, I, undersized players aren't as hard-pressed to make it to the NHL anymore, but but 5'7 is, is pretty small. But he was, uh, he was a force in the game. He scored some really nice goals. Uh, he really made some some magic happen, uh, push the play offensively. Uh, it, it almost seemed like it was just a matter of time before he scored again. Uh, what, did, what did you think of his game? Yeah, as you say, he uh, he has a little dynamicism to his game, and he uh, he can control the puck, and he can skate, and he is a little ball of energy, and I really love those guys who are they're like little buzzsaws out there where they're just skating, 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 moving the puck, and definitely complemented his linemates well, and he was able to be offensive as well and he didn't I didn't find that in the game that his size really jumped out as being a negative aspect uh in it uh, obviously that's going to be an issue for him going forward but he's not on a particularly great team in Owen Sound now anyway but he is one of their top scorers on the team I think that uh yeah he's a he's an interesting guy and he's he's going to be um an interesting guy I think that teams will probably are more likely to take a look and take a chance on a guy his size now than they have been in years past. So I don't think it's as much of a deterrent when we start projecting Aiden Dudas going forward into five or six years down the road when he really grows into his body and is able to step into the league. So he's maybe a guy that I can see an NHL team taking a a flyer on later in the draft and probably, I would think, should be on uh, some some people's keeper league uh, draft lists further down the... uh, the rankings. All right. 
let's talk about a few defensemen. Evan Bouchard is the highest scoring draft eligible player. And he's a defenseman. He's a little bit on the uh, overage side almost. He just missed last year's draft by a few days. So he's one of the older players in the draft. And uh, he's playing for the London Knights. He became the captain after they cleaned house and traded a whole bunch of their players away. And uh, he was it, he's one of those players that you want to have on your fantasy team because it seemed like every goal that was scored in this game had an assist from Evan Bouchard. So when you go to the box score the next day to see how your players do, you want that guy that's, that's got the uh, primary or even secondary. It, it usually doesn't make a difference in fantasy. But uh, this is a guy that I think is going to rack up just a pile of points uh, when he gets to a higher level. Uh, he's got good size. He skates really well. He's got a, a two-way kind of presence to his game. You know, he's not like a liability in his own zone. I think he's a player that has a, a really good fantasy value, and he's he's ranked kind of mid-range in a lot of the, the draft boards. I put him at six overall on my draft rankings. Um, maybe that's a little high. Where do you see his fantasy going, uh, fantasy value going? You can never have enough offensive defensemen. Let's be perfectly honest about that. And and then in the fantasy world, they're like gold. And Evan Bouchard has all the skills that should actually be able to translate into into real production in the NHL. Should he be able to make it? Look, you mentioned it. He skates extremely well. He likes to shoot the puck. He can pass the puck. He has that desire to be an offensive difference maker, which means he's going to be put in offensive situations in the offensive zone. He's going to play on the power play. I think he's probably going to get an opportunity to do penalty killing as he goes on uh, in his career as well because of his ability to transition the puck so quickly. So he's a guy who's going to get a lot of ice time as he continues to go up the ladder. I think that he is going to be a late riser from a lot of people's preseason draft lists to where he is actually drafted. I don't know that he's quite at six, but I, he's definitely going to be in the top 10 and he's going to be in that second tier or third tier of draft eligible D-man after uh, Rasmus Dahlin for sure. Uh, he's going to be an intriguing prospect. He's somebody that I think on a fantasy side, you have to take a look at this guy because if he hits, he's going to make a major, major difference to your roster. All right. The guy that's coming up the draft rankings really, really fast. He's a player that comes from the queue, so neither you or I have had a really lot of opportunities to see him live, and that's another player that's big in Noah Dobson. I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah? Why is that? Well, just because Noah Dobson is uh, is another guy that, uh, again, is grabbing a lot of attention. He's certainly turned my head as well, too. Uh, he's a, cut from a slightly different mold than, than Evan Bouchard. Noah Dobson's got a little bit more power to his game, but he is also an offensive D-man. And I could see this being another guy where you look at it and say, okay, this is a guy who can play in all situations. He can control the puck. I really like his ability to shoot the puck. Uh, most importantly, what Noah Dobson does really well is that he keeps the puck low and on net so it creates chances for rebounds and scoring chances and that kind of thing so he seems very savvy he's not just winding up and wiring the puck as hard as he can uh this guy is an offensive generator who's going to be able to translate because he's got the hockey sense and intelligence to actually work with other players on the ice rather than just trying to be a one-man unit yeah this there's a lot of talk about how this this draft is really heavy on defense and then there's a lot of really uh, offensively gifted, undersized defensemen. And, you know, there's that old saying, all things being equal, the NHL team will always draft two players that are equal, but one's bigger than the other. So I look at this draft and I look at guys like Ty Smith and Quinn Hughes and Ryan Merkley, and they're all wonderfully talented, but they're all small. And I don't think the talent or disparity between guys like Noah Dobson and, and Evan Bouchard is, uh, and the rest of these other small players is that dynamic and yet these guys have all the elements that you want in a defenseman that they can skate they've got size they see the play well they have a hard shot they're excellent skaters good defensively i'm repeating myself but uh you know so that's why i have both evan bouchard and noah Dobson ranked as high as i do in my draft because i think they're just as talented and yet they're just they're not size constraints on them yeah and the other important factor for uh listeners out there is that they're both right-handed shot defensemen and as we know in the nhl right-handed defensemen uh, who can produce offense are always coveted extremely well so this is a kind noah dobson and both evan bouchard they're both players that if they fall out of a draft ranking that you may have or you have the ability to get them a little bit later than you might have thought you should jump on them because 
They are going to get opportunities to produce at every level. Noah Dobson is a guy who's made a huge jump in his offensive production in his second year at Acadie Bathurst and should probably be expected to do that again as he goes into next year. And as you say, he's got more physical tools and the NHL is a little bit old school. They're always going to give those guys a lot of chance uh, over a little guy. Agreed. All right, let's let's talk about one more defenseman. Let's talk about a guy uh, closer to you, and that's Ty Smith. Uh, he's just the captain for Timor, and uh, he had a couple unfortunate plays. And you talk about you can't lower your draft stock with a bad game, and it's a top prospect game. Well, Ty Smith's going to put that to the test. He was about a minus four in the game, if memory serves me correctly. And at times, it looked like he was either struggling or just really frustrated. What was your impression of his performance in the game versus his performance on the season as a whole? Ty Smith is one of those guys I'm struggling with because I've seen very good games out of Ty Smith in Spokane and very bad games out of Ty Smith. So, uh, And that has actually shift to shift as well, too. Look, when he's on his game, he's a dynamic offensive puck-moving defenseman. He can skate the puck out. He can transition very quickly. He can give and go. He can make a play. Uh, he can run a power play. He's an excellent, excellent breakaway skater. The problem with Ty Smith, as far as I see, is that he doesn't have that elite level sort of hockey sense that allows him to play extremely good defense uh, with combining that with offense. And that's something that he needs to still continue to work on what he does with his gap control, with his positioning and that kind of thing. So I'm not exactly certain where I would take Ty Smith at this point. There's still some time, but I know there's a lot of people that see him as being a, a, a mid to a mid round first round pick. I'm not 100% there yet. I'm a little bit more skeptical than he is with other people. But listen, if you're just looking at tools, Ty Smith has them. If you're looking at somebody who you know is going to make it to the NHL, there's still some question there for me. Uh, he's an offensive producer in the WHL, but it takes a little bit more than that to be able to actually make it to the NHL. All right, one last defenseman I, I want to talk about before we move on to maybe another forward is Kevin Ball, big six foot six, two hundred and thirty, the exact opposite of the undersized offensive defenseman. Uh, Ball is more of a defensive defenseman. Uh, he did manage to put up some points at the top prospect game from the Ottawa 67s games that I've seen. Hasn't always been his his mo. I like him. I think he's a bit of a throwback defenseman, though, in that uh, he's big and physical and likes to throw some hits around and clear the front of the net. I have some concerns about his skating, but uh, I have to admit, he looked pretty good at uh, the top prospect game. I was sitting next to your buddy, Russ Cohen, from uh, Prospect Radio, and and he doesn't think that he's going to make it. And he said that, I can't remember exactly what he said, something along the lines of whether or not he should even be considered for the game and he goes out and I think he's one of the, the top players of the, <laughs> of, of the game, much to Russ's dismay. Um, what's your opinion on uh, Mr. Ball? Yeah, like you say, he's a, he's a physical specimen. There's a lot to, uh, to be able to handle there. Look, big guys, you have to be able to skate. You have to be able to make a play. And in today's NHL and where we're going in the NHL, you need to produce some level of offense as well too. Uh, he's still rounding out that part of his game. So he's probably going to be a project. He's somebody that an NHL team is going to take a look at and say, look, he's got he's a tantalizing physical specimen at 6'6 or 6'7 that he is. He's still growing. We don't know exactly what he's going to be. But as far as a fantasy value, how he is doing in his draft eligible year, and he's not putting up a ton of points, uh, but he is putting up some penalty in minutes. If you're in a league that includes penalties in minutes, that might be something that would raise his value to you. But on a fantasy standpoint, his actual prospect status for me is probably less than it may be in real life. Totally agree. Let's see if we can squeeze in one or two more players before we move on. I'd love to talk about Ryan Merkley, but uh, I think we've covered enough defense. So keeping the draft in mind, uh, as I said, this is a uh, defense-heavy draft. It's also a winger-heavy draft. A lot of fantasy positional needs leagues are going to be looking at where they can pick up some centers in the first round. For my opinion, one of the best centers available in the draft is Joe Valeno from the Quebec Major Junior League. Agreed. Uh, I really like this kid's game. I don't think size is an issue for him. He can skate extremely well. He's got great vision. He's got great hands. Uh, he was granted exceptional status for the first player in, in Q history. So I think that has maybe artificially raised a level of expectation on him where people are thinking he's got to be the next 
Sean Tavares, which we know is not necessarily the case, see Sean Day. But I think there's a lot of middle ground between where Sean Day and John Tavares are, and Joe Valeno is kind of more closer to Tavares than Day. Uh, what really impressed me more even than, than his performance at the top prospect game, and I thought he had a good game, was his performance in the Memorial Cup last year. So the teams that make it to the Memorial Cup are usually loaded with some star older players, 19-year-olds uh, who go straight to the NHL or into the AHL and have uh, you know high-impact overage players who are 20 years old that can really carry a team to a league championship Memorial Cup. That being said, Joe Valeno was a D-1 player, and I thought he was one of the best players on St. John in the tournament, uh, which I thought was remarkable. He was, and he was also a player that was put out in defensive uh zone face-offs and doing that kind of thing as well too so he was trusted by his coach even as a as a 17 ID minus one to be able to play uh in all types of situations at a very high level look he's the kind of guy who has enough skill that he can he can translate that into the next level now he may not be a dynamic offensive driver that kind of thing that he was hoped to be when he was 15 years old however here's the thing Joe Valeno has enough hockey smarts, he has enough speed, and he has enough actual drive and a motor in his game that he'll probably be able to translate as a bottom six center and or winger if he gets moved over to wing. But if, assuming he stays a center, he's a guy who will probably make it to the NHL and he might have the opportunity to become a very good two-way center uh, on a third line and actually be productive in that case. Now, if a guy can get to that level, you know, and he can do that by the time he's 22, 23 years old, you know, there's an, always an opportunity for him to find that extra gear that he had before because he's played a lot of hockey uh, in the queue already that he may be able to find another level to to go to his game. So if you're talking about taking a gamble on a kid who actually has the work ethic, he has the drive, he has the motor that doesn't quit on the ice, you can do worse or take greater risks by taking somebody who has a lot of flash in his game but doesn't bring it on a shift-to-shift or game-to-game consistent basis. So Joe Valeno is a guy that I really like. I would feel very comfortable taking him in my own league and putting him in my system. Uh, again, I don't know exactly how high he's going to go, but I, I feel just because there's very little risk with a guy like this, I don't have any problem projecting him uh, to the mid-to-high first round. Agree. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is either, but he's a player I would classify as safe pick anyone you want to talk about the only one that i think that we've missed that that i that i really want to talk about a little bit is a guy that i've seen a lot here in um in the local market in vancouver which is where i'm located and and that's milos roman who is a very intelligent and understated hockey player who does so many things well uh including passing the puck skates the puck he's always on the right side of checks um he is such a dependable two-way player that's got some offensive upside in his game. He can, you saw that he could spot people from breakout passes. He's always uh, supporting his wingers, he's supporting his defensemen. Uh, this is a guy who I'm not exactly, again, not exactly certain where he's going to go in the first round, uh, but I do believe he's going to go somewhere in the first round. Might be a late guy, but he's a Slovak kid who had not the greatest world juniors, but he w- had his flashes there as well too. And this is a guy that I just think is probably going to go a little bit under the radar. And as you said, there are not many centers in this draft. And I think once it's all said and done and we're looking at the final board on draft day, he's going to have snuck up as being one of the late risers from the center ice position. Very interesting. He is not a player that is high on my radar. Yeah, he's unfortunately only played one game since the World Juniors here because he's been dealing with a nagging injury, but he is supposed to be on the uh, heel, and we will get to see him on a relatively decent Vancouver Giants squad in the playoffs, which is going to be the first time in a long time that that team has actually made it. Well, there you go. There's a good tip for uh, a potential draft sleeper for all you draft junkies out there. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with a prospect profile. Skills. 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 Skills.
grind point blank we vital spit flow whip shows peep to recycle that was another time for a 2018 draft eligible prospect preview in this edition we're going to talk about philip zadina the czech winger who is six foot one 192 pounds dynamic offensive player peter who actually plays a very solid two-way game has extremely high level of hockey sense can turn on a dime and can make a pass and make players around him better this kid is going to be a very high draft pick in 2018 i don't know exactly how high but it is going to crack the top five and he has the potential to go as high as number two uh i did our recent draft rankings for for the site and uh I spent a lot of time trying to decide who was going to go second overall, and uh, it was a, a four-man race, really. But ultimately, it came down to to Zadina and Svechnikov, and I I ended up putting him in at third. But uh, it was it was super close. Um, he's a prospect that I've had on my radar for a couple of years now, ever since uh, he was playing internationally for the Czech. He's going into the NHL. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he's got just a tremendous shot. And he really stole the show for me at the World Juniors. He was really the engine that drove the bus for the Czech Republic. And uh, a lot of people looked at that and the CHL top prospect game where he went head-to-head with fellow draft eligible uh, Andrei Sveshnikov and kind of outgunned him in both of those events. One of the advantages that I really like about his game, about Zadina's game, is that he has the ability to pressure the puck and a puck carrier and make other people make mistakes because he can close gaps so quickly on somebody and he has such a quick active stick and such good hands that he can strip other people of the puck, whether it be from behind or actually like just straight from him, then turn around and be able to make a play. And he actually, he can shoot the puck and he can pass the puck. And he's one of those players that actually makes players around him better. And I agree with you at the world juniors, he actually turned heads and actually stole a lot of those games against players that were in a lot of cases, two years older than him. Do you see a comparable from him to somebody else who has been drafted recently that has that same level of dynamic offense that he can produce? Yeah, certainly off the top of my head. Uh, I see some similarities when he gets the puck uh, and how he finds open ice to what I saw from Alex Dabrinkit in junior, actually. They both have just exceptionally good hands, a really hard, quick shot. They don't need a lot of time and space. They can shoot it off with the guy basically in their jersey, checking them through legs and, and hard and quick and over the goalie shoulder and whatnot. But another feature of his that, that I found similar to Brinkett's and it was really, really hard to, to, to coach is his ability to, to get himself open. Cats out of the bag. Everyone knows to check this guy and don't give him any open ice. So the defensemen are always looking for him. But he's really good at still yet finding a way to uh, anticipate where the puck's going to be. And when a player is under pressure with the puck, he just lets the defenseman think he has him. And then when his teammate finds a little bit of open ice, what do you know? Zadina, at the exact same moment, has, has taken that one little step or sidestep away from his check with his stick in the perfect position and is able to receive the pass. That makes him, uh, that's a lethal combination to be able to see and think the game that way. And then when he gets the puck, have the the physical skills to to follow through with it. Yeah, for sure. The the name that I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. The one name that actually occurred to me when I've watched him play, and maybe it's just the jersey, but was a former Halifax Moosehead, just as he is, and that's Nikolai Ehlers. Just a guy. He's slippery. He's quick. He's got excellent hands, can produce spontaneous offense, can turn the puck over and work on a power play, like I'd actually run a power play as well too. So Philip Zadina is going to go high in the 2018 draft. We don't know how high, and it wouldn't be a surprise if he's on an NHL roster in the 2018-2019 season. Three, four, four. All right, we're back on Dauber Prospect Radio, and now it's time to talk a little of the uh, most recent Five Nations Under-18 tournament. And uh, our very good friend of the show, Steve Corniano, the draft analyst, uh, was able to make the, the trip from Nashville all the way up to Plymouth and, uh, and take in some of the games. So first of all, welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Pete, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Our pleasure for sure. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, the Five Nations tournament. Um, the big gun that was there, of course, would, uh, would I guess be Andrei Sveshnikov. Uh, he kind of came in second place at the World Juniors and the head-to-head 
against Philip Zadina. And uh, I would say he came in second place at the CHL top prospect game in head-to-head against Philip Zadina. Uh, Philip Zadina was not at the Five Nations tournament, so he didn't get a chance to redeem himself that way. But uh, from all accounts I heard from this tournament, he put on a show. What was your take on uh, Svechnikov? Yeah, he. Um, the thing about Svechnikov is he was on, on the Russia's top line with Grigory Denisenko and Alexander Hovanov. And so you got, you know, the center, Hovanov, is more of a playmaker. He's definitely a pass-first guy. But Denisenko is a guy that loves to handle the puck a lot. So I was curious to see uh, how Svechnikov would attack this tournament. And the thing is, is that I've never got the sense that he ever really, he, he, like, I just, I, I'm always speculating, of course, but I always get the sense that he doesn't care about rankings. He doesn't care about, like, he really has this team-first mentality. He loves to incorporate all four teammates into any play that he's on. And, and what you saw at the Five Nations was, he was really picking his spots uh, at, at the perfect time. And the one thing, listen, we all know that he could score goals, and, of course, he tied for the tournament lead in scoring. I think he had eight points in, in four games against some really solid teams. Uh, I got a chance to watch him against, I think, the two best teams in the tournament, which was uh, the Russians and America, and he was pretty much toying with them. I mean, there were some occasions where he was overhandling the puck a little bit too much, and he got kind of painted himself into a corner. But we all know he could shoot. He looks a lot faster live that he does on TV, and he's a very powerful skater. His edge work, his pivoting, his, his agility is just phenomenal off the charts. Um, but I think what we're seeing now, especially since the World Juniors, is that his, his playmaking ability, his ability to, to set up quality plays for his line mates and defensemen as well, is really coming to the forefront. And, you know, you watch the World Juniors, he had, you know, four primary assists playing on a fourth line at five-on-five. Five. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And if you watch the film, these were quality plays that he was setting up. So... The one thing that I learned about Svechnikov uh, that I really never paid attention to before is what he does is he gets he receives passes, let's say, from a defenseman with his back turned uh, to the opposing goal, and he does these ridiculous no-look, like, touch passes, but hard and crisp that completely slice through the zone and catch either, you know, uh, Hovanov or Denisenko streaking into the zone. So, you know, obviously you want to stand up to him at the blue line. You don't want to give him too much room. The problem is one and two defensemen were trying to wrap him at that blue line with his back turn, and the minute he gets a pass, he's just in one motion kind of slapping it across the ice, and it's it's really goes ties into his vision and his hockey sense and all those, I guess, superlatives that you could say uh, when you're looking for an elite prospect. So, I mean, he really is a complete package. Uh, and on top of that, I, I, I tweeted this out the other day, when was the last time you saw a top-flight winger centering a five-on-three penalty-killing unit. It's usually like the center in and two defensemen. But every time Russia was down five-on-three, and it was happened several times in the tournament, uh, the coach was calling on Svechnikov to center two defensemen. So uh, he's a really unique prospect. And uh, I know Zadina's having a great season too, but uh, you know, pa- overall package, I-, I have a hard time seeing anybody uh, passing on Svechnikov when it comes to forwards. Fascinating that you say that about uh, Sveshikov because I just saw him play yesterday, and that is almost the exact takeaway that I took out of the game here in Kingston uh, when he was in the Barry. Uh, he was h- displaying his playmaking and passing abilities so prominently. I, I almost started to think that because he's got like 30 goals and 18 assists, it's a lopsided stat line that he's like deliberately trying <laughs> to balance the ledger, you know, like he's just trying to set up players. There were pretty decent scoring opportunities he had. And if Sokolov had the puck, he would have just shot it. That guy's just shoot, 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 score, score, score. Um, sure. But, but Sveshnikov was just, uh, yeah. And, and your, your, uh, your one-touch pass, the, the immediate, like, it's not even on his stick and he's already redirecting it across the ice. He did that a couple yeah. times as well. I was really impressed with that. And it, it really catches uh, the other team uh, off guard. And it created. Yeah, the thing is, he's uh, not looking. He's not even looking at, at who he's passing. That's what's amazing to me. It's almost like, you know, Magic Johnson. I'm not going to call him like kind of a player, like you know, he's a, a playmaker extraordinaire. But it's almost like Magic Johnson, where like Magic Johnson used to get lob passes and in one motion touch passes, kind of find the open guy underneath the net. It's almost a similar thing. I, I don't understand how he does. And at the same time, he is guilty of forcing passes into the middle of the ice. When you keep crossing up, uh, passing the puck from one end to the other. Um, sideways eventually you know teams are going to pick up on that and you know so i think when he gets to the next level something he needs to work on is uh maybe not telegraph him all the time because when he t- takes the puck wide he goes around the net and he hangs on to it 
everybody knows, okay, well, he can't cut back because it's sealed off, so he's going to pass it across the ice, and that could kind of lead into uh, lead to turnovers and things. But, yeah, his overall performance was pretty remarkable. I and mean, when he scored the breakaway goal against Team USA, I think like 12 seconds into the second period, or uh, it was I think it was the second period, I sat behind about 15, 20 NHL scouts, and they were all like, oh, my God, like, oohing and eyeing. So uh, I can't see one scout that left there unimpressed with his performance. What I like about him most is his breakaway speed, as you mentioned, and the fact that he doesn't have one type of shot. He's got multiple types of shots, and yeah. this is a guy that he's going to be dangerous no matter really where he is on the ice. He doesn't have to set up. He doesn't He doesn't have to repeat the same play. He's not a one-trick pony. Where, where I'm really interested in is seeing how he, when you say going to the next level, it's entirely possible that the next level for this kid is going to be the NHL, and it's going to come relatively quickly. Where I'm interested is as he grows into his frame, as he learns to use his reach more to be able to pick pucks and to be able to become a better defensive player, how quickly he can actually work in transition with somebody who works at that speed. You talked about him playing with Denisenko. Now, Denisenko is a guy that turned a few eyebrows as well, too. This is a this is a, probably a type of player that is better than he's played with at this point for that age group. Uh, and so I'm interested to see how he goes forward into the NHL, whether or not he can translate it as an immediate goal scorer. But with that shot, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's going to be, there'll be, uh, there'll be uh, some bumps along the way. I think uh, you watch Nico Heuscher play on, on a regular basis and he's having a really good rookie season. But just, you know, there's the moments where you're like, okay, he's still a kid and he's acting like one. So um, the problem is like we're, we're in this hyper uh, sensitive and uh, critical uh, form of, watching sports nowadays where, you know, you just hope it doesn't break the kid. If he goes into a slump and the whole world's like, hey, you know, you haven't scored a goal in four games. What's going on? You know, so. I want to ask you about another really high-ranked prospect in this tournament, and that's defenseman Adam Boquist for Sweden. This is a kid that's got pure skill. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he skates with exceptional edge work and agility, and he also has that good two-step quickness, and he can spot a pass. He can make a 100-foot pass keeps his head up, again, quick in transition. What did you see out of Boquist in this tournament? Uh, okay, so I watched I watched the first two games on a stream, and then I saw the last two games live, and it was against uh, the Czech Republic and Russia with the big marquee matchup being against Svechnikov in the finale. And I, I was so impressed with him. You know, you, the thing about Boquist is he's, he's too good for the J20 Super League. I, he's just way too good for it, and so I think – uh, Breenish didn't really know what to do with him. They 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 called him up several times to play in the Champion League games, and uh, he just he looked a little bit out of place and kind of timid, which is fine. I mean, he's still 17 and he's playing, uh, you know, in a, against uh, elite men's league. But at, at the Five Nations tournament, I really wanted to see how he was going to kind of like translate his game, how he would translate against, I guess, his own peers, his elite level peers, because he did so uh, at the Holinka, but he didn't play against them at the first Five Nations tournament, so. What I saw was just a, a dynamic, explosive player, not just for the shooting. And listen, he loves to shoot. That's all he does. When he has the puck on his stick, he loves to shoot. Probably has the hardest shot, hardest wrist shot of anybody in the draft. And that includes forwards and everybody. Wallstrom is a pretty close second, but uh, the, the, the velocity that Boquist gets on his shot, without with very little backswing, he could fire it off his back foot, doesn't matter. I mean, he's, he's really making the goalie earn his paycheck. Uh, from no matter where he shoots the puck. We all know about the skating. The skating's phenomenal. What I saw, though, at the Five Nations that I wasn't expecting to see was his defensive play. His defensive play, not only is he standing up at the blue line, but also his one-on-one play, maintaining a tight gap, using his stick effectively, staying with guys, not uh, knowing when to release. You know, a lot of times you see these young defensemen, they'll follow a guy that goes around the net, and they'll, they'll chase him all the way out to the opposing point. Next thing you know, you got a two-on-one or a breakaway that's, that's brewing. He didn't do that. He was releasing at the perfect times. And even from a physical standpoint, he wasn't backing down from challenges. He was trying to move guys out from, from, from the net. You, you know, you really see a lot of that out of Tim Lilligren last year. I'm trying to think about the Swedish defensemen. who kind of come up with him. And even to a certain extent, uh, you know, Eric Brandstrom, who some people earlier compared it to, you know, the Las Vegas first rounder from a year ago. Uh, you know, something about Bolkers, he's got something in him that I don't think neither Lilligren or Brand, uh, Brandstrom has in uh, same thing with Svesta Kovic. Mean, the scouts that were there sitting behind me uh, and around me were just going crazy about this kid. I mean, I, he, he really is a legitimate contender for number two now. And I, I, I love Svesta Kovic. He's my number one. I know he's not going to get drafted. Number one is going to be Deline. Uh, but I would not be shocked at all if Boquist goes number two. He's that good. 
Yeah, I really missed him at the uh, at the World Juniors. I was hoping that we were going to get a, a chance to see him because it's difficult to get viewing to this kid when you live in North America. So, uh, so that was disappointing. But that's that's some really interesting stuff. Uh, so he's the top ranked defenseman in the draft, uh, in your opinion, by far after Dalene. Eh? Yeah, I mean, I, I had I had Ty Smith the last time I did my rankings. I had Ty Smith. Uh, I had Boquist at six and Smith at five. I, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna switch. I'm gonna I mean, I'm working on my rankings now, but I hate using one tournament uh, to really influence uh, my rankings. But the thing is, I focus more on this kid's defense, and we all know the offense is there. But the, the fact that he was able to play at a high level defensively really impressed me a lot. So I think it impressed a lot of scouts too. So he's gonna go high. <laughs> he's gonna definitely surpass Smith. With all due respect to Smith, who's actually playing pretty well lately, but. Uh, I would say the stats don't really give the whole story about Boquist. He had an outstanding tournament. Started off a little slow, but he really, really played great the last two games against the two tough, uh, toughest teams. Okay, the next two players I want to I want to talk about are uh, teammates from USA, uh, Oliver Wallstrom and Joel Therabee. I have them ranked ninth uh, and tenth in my latest rankings. Uh, I kind of flipped and flopped and hemmed and hawed between which one to go ninth and which one to go tenth. And if I could have made it a draw, I would have. Um, how did they look? They look fine. I mean, here's the thing. Um, they added Jack Hughes to that line. So Farabee and Wallstrom are wingers. They're natural wingers. They're not centers. Uh, and throughout the season, they kind of, you know, uh, interchanged guys. Jake Wise was the guy that was there, uh, started the season as their center. And then he got hurt. Then they tried um, uh, Pavanka, Jake Pavanka. I almost called him Michael. Uh, they put Jake Pavanka in there. And then Jack Hughes was dominating the U-17 so much that they said, okay, you're ready for the big show. And ever since he's joined that line, I've noticed the dynamic of the line change because before Hughes came, Farabee was the main playmaker. He was the puck carrier. He was the guy that was setting everything up. And it reflected in not only his assist totals, but also in Wallstrom's goal totals as well. Well, when Hughes came in, if you watch you know, Jack Hughes play, the kid is like McDavid. He always wants the puck. He's always carrying it through the zone. He hangs on to it for a long time. So it kind of like took away from Farabee, so it became more of a Wallstrom-Hughes dynamic than a Farabee-Hughes dynamic. Uh, so, of course, you know, Wallstrom had his stats explode. Farabee's kind of just said they're still very good. They just leveled off a bit. So now you have people saying, well, Wallstrom's the clear-cut uh, better player than Farabee, which I don't think is the case. They're very even. You can't go wrong with either one. Uh, you know, Farabee being the smaller playmaking, 200-foot uh, beast, great motor, uh, always, uh, he's the team captain of the, of the NTDP. A lot of intangibles, uh, behind not just the, uh, his skill, but just the way that he processed the game. Whereas Wallstrom is like the bull in the China shop, the big power forward with the excellent shot, who's also pretty, uh, good finesse wise as well. Um, but at the tournament, like I said, it was, it was really, they were feeding off of, of, uh, Jack Hughes a lot. And so they were kind of like on the periphery waiting for him to do stuff. The thing that I noticed what Team USA does now, which is odd, considering how many quality defensemen that they have with hard shots, but on their top power play unit, they got Wallstrom playing at the top of the, of the umbrella, the top of the point, uh, where it used to be that, that was, was, was Bodie Wild's spot. And so now they got Bodie Wild off to the side along the wall now. So I thought they both had very strong tournaments. Farabee scored a couple of nice goals. Wallstrom scored a couple of nice goals. They were both huge in the comeback win over Russia. Uh, with, you know, the crowd was going berserk because they were losing big in that game, and then they came back to win in the third period. Uh, I, I really, like I said, you cannot go wrong with either kid. There's no right or wrong. It's just a matter of your gut and what, the, what like, I guess, uh, preferences. I compared uh, Walsham to a high-end version of T.J. Oshie, almost like I think he's going to become what t- people wanted T.J. Oshie to become, which is, you know, that, that, that Consistent 35, maybe 40-goal score, guy that hit 70 points, whereas I think Farabee, with all his speed and his finesse and his playmaking and his vision and his, uh, his hockey sense and everything that you name it, I think he's got, he's got Claude Giroux-type upside. He's going to be that kind of playmaking winger uh, that's just going to be able to be, be used in every situation to be a real leader on his team. I want to take that this opportunity while we're talking about Americans to ask you about Condre Miller and what you feel his evolution has been this year because he's shown a lot coming out of his last season into this season in the U.S. Uh, USHL uh, and the U.S. National Development Program, and he is kind of a bull in a china shop. You use that with Wallstrom. How do you feel about Condre Miller? The thing about Miller is he had it. He's a converted forward. Okay, so he used to play forward for most of his life, and then he decided to play defense. 
thing about Miller was when he began, when he, last year, especially on the U17 NTDP and for the beginning of this year, you know, that NTDP, this year's version of it, has a lot of quality puck-moving defensemen. You got Bordy Wild, who is like a, you know, loves to skate with the puck. Ty Emerson is, is a very good puck mover, could run a power play. Matias Samuelson, same thing. So you have three. And if you want to throw Spencer Stasny in there, too, you got four quality puck-rushing defensemen who could run a power play. So it seemed like Miller uh, kind of like got comfortable in this role where he was going to be the shutdown guy. And a very good shutdown guy he was. He was the guy that would do kind of like subtle things, move the puck out of the zone, not really attack too deep into the opposing zone. And I don't know what happened. I'm noticing sometime around like maybe mid-December, I started noticing that he was, he was kind of like ramping it up. Uh, and every time he had the puck, he said, you know what? I see an opening. I'm going to attack it. He's an excellent skater for his size, very smooth, long stride. Uh, but he, he has this, this forward mentality, this confidence with the puck that when he does cross the red line or even cross the, oppo- uh, the opposing blue line, he doesn't get nervous and flustered. He actually knows what to do with it. And he made a beautiful – well, first of all, the comeback against Russia was all Miller because they were losing 3 nothing. They were going nowhere. And then he <clears throat> risked it a goal. He's got an excellent shot, too. He risked it a goal from the point that made it 3-1 late in the second, in the second period. And then early in the third period uh, – I think I'm getting my periods mistake. I think the end of the first and, and then in the second period – he made this beautiful rush on his off wing uh, down the boards, and then he went behind the net, and he did one of those like kind of like those curl behind the back no look passes, going against the grain to uh, to Jack Hughes in the slot, and Hughes buried it to make it three uh, two. And I think when he made that move, I, I wasn't even looking at what was going. I was looking at the scouts and their reaction. And the minute he had happened, they all picked up their iPads and their pens and pads and started writing stuff down. So uh, he's going to be a riser. He's got a lot of. Uh, qualities about him as a mature kid. We all know that he could shut people down and play great below uh, his own face-off dots, but the fact that he's skating and shooting and playmaking, my goodness, you know, 6'3", 200-pound defenseman that can do that. I hate to say this because I love Bodie Wild, but I think he's he's surpassed Bodie Wild in terms of upside and uh, the way he's going to be viewed for the upcoming draft. The last player I want to ask you about, Steve, is uh, Finland's Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, so there's a, a lot of opportunity for a centerman to have a strong finish on the season and really vault himself up the draft standings. I think a lot of scouts and teams are kind of hoping that, that someone will do that for teams that might be interested in, in looking at a center as a, as a positional need in the draft. Um, how do you, how do you see his, his season trending? How did he look at the U uh, 17s and uh, what's your overall assessment? Well, so Kakaniemi's been with the adult, uh, in the elite SM League all season. He basically played in the Holenka. Uh, he played at the U18 World Champions last year, had a good tournament. Played at the Holenka, was kind of decent, not like great or flashy. Uh, he was kind of, I guess, outperformed by Rasmus Kupari, and that kind of had an impact, I think, on uh, most draft rankings. Uh, but he's been with them the whole season. He got off to a really good start. He was putting up points, playing on their third line, hit a, bit, hit a little bit of a wall, like most young kids do when they play against uh, older competition, and now then he started picking it back up. And so he plays normally left wing uh, in the SM Liga for Asat, uh, but at the Five Nations he was playing center. He was centering the top line, playing with Sam Polranta, the Marion Gabrick-style uh, winger that plays in the USHL, and with Nicholas Norgren, the little tiny guy, was like a bull in the china shop as well. Uh, so he had a great tournament. He Well, I mean, he had a great, I guess, he had a very good overall tournament, and he had one really, really good game against Sweden, which, you know, to the Finns means everything. Uh, so uh, he, he's such a mature player. He does everything well. I was tweeting uh, a lot of stuff about him when he was playing against Sweden because of the way he was passing the puck and keeping his feet moving. The knock on him is he's not the fastest kid in the world, but at the same time, it's not, I wouldn't say like he's like as slow as Dylan Strom, uh, but he's, he's, he's got like, you know, he's not, his breakaway speed is decent. It's not great. And, of course, you know, if you have breakaway speed uh, and that kind of lateral agility and you're able to weave your way in and out of problems at a high rate of speed while controlling the puck, that means a lot to scouts, and I completely understand that. Uh, but he's a very smart player. He's a 200-foot player, plays well in all three zones. And what I like about him, I mean, his vision, I would say his strengths, his vision, and his playmaking easily are his top two traits. I mean, he's got very good puck skills, a very good uh, controlling the, uh, the puck in tight spaces, is able to spot backdoor cutters uh he's able to slow things down and pick up his trailers really little things like that like executing on odd man rushes 
is a big thing to me. It's what I look for, especially when a young kid, because at the NHL level, you see people butcher three-on-twos and two-on-ones all the time. And uh, watching this guy in open ice, even though he's not that fast, even when he slows things down, he's able to make the uh, precise and accurate play. So uh, it's, gonna, it's just like Wallstrom and Farabee. The issue is between Kupari and Kakaniemi. Uh, which one do you go with, the faster, flashier center or the more cerebral, mature, uh, 200-foot winger that could also play center? I thought he was fine in, uh, in Plymouth, and, uh, I mean, he didn't hurt his stock, especially with the way that he played against the Swedes. Just to clarify that, uh, then, because he's been playing left wing for the majority of the year, and yet he played center in this tournament, and we know that centers have to cover so much ice, there's so much responsibility that they have to have, and then obviously throwing out, not that you were comparing him to Dylan Strome, but obviously there's a cautionary tale there. Do you see him being a center, now that you've seen him play relative to his peers in this tournament, do you think that he's actually going to wind up being a center eventually, or is that somebody who might shift over to the wing just because he doesn't have that same level of speed to be able to cover the ice, even if he is smart enough to understand where to get to? You know, that's a great question, and I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Ranger fan. I watch a lot of the Rangers, and Kevin Hayes was a, a guy that when he was at Boston College, he was either playing on the wing, but he could also play center, and he always said, I'm a natural center. It's my... my my natural position, what have you. And then when he goes to the Rangers, same thing. He's bouncing between the wing and center right. So he's going to be that hybrid type, uh, like a JT Miller or a, uh, a Kevin Hayes, where it doesn't really matter where you use him. He's not going to be the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to blow past a lot of people. But because he has such great vision, and he's very good in his own end, and he's pretty good on face-offs, even though he doesn't play all, uh, all that often up the middle, I, I could see a coach being inclined to use him there. Uh, it's going to be a matter of, Really like you know where what team drafts him and what they have going on in the organization, but uh, he's such a smart, adaptable player. I don't think it's really going to matter. I mean, my preference is I'd rather have him on the wing because I like I like wingers that uh, understand uh, all three zones and know how to make plays and don't just wait for their center to do all the work. Um, but uh, then again, you never know what could happen. So That's some brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, so for anyone who's listening who's not totally familiar with Steve's stuff, uh, follow him on Twitter. He's, uh, he's must-follow material at the Draft Analyst. And uh, go to his blog, uh, draftanalyst.com. Bookmark that page. Uh, come back to it often. Read all of his uh, scouting reports and uh, tournament reviews that he has going on there. He's got a really great uh, video page, too, with highlight reels for a lot of the prospects, uh, which we steal for some of our draft profiles as well. And uh, speaking of writing for us, you can also catch uh, Steve's monthly column, on Dauber Prospects at the end of the month on uh, NHL Draft Prospects. Any tease as to what ideas you might have cooking for this month's edition? Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to focus on uh, America because I've kind of, you know, being an American, I've, I've basically left my country in the dust because I've been focusing on Russia and the, and the Canadian Hockey League. But I want to spend a lot of time uh, focusing the next month and a half on the, not only the USHL, but uh, American high school and, the handful of uh, college prospects. So uh, I'd like to do a, uh, a top uh, 10 prospects from the USHL, you know, uh, for the Dauber Con this month. But overall, for the next month, month and a half or so, I'm going to be watching pretty much 90% of my viewing is going to be uh, watching streams of USHL and NCAA in the U.S. high school. It'll be exciting. Good time. Well, we'll look uh, forward look to it. it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks very much, Steve. All right, guys. Thank you. Pleasure having me on. Thank you. Right now, in the place to be, ladies and gentlemen, we have no choice but to do this to you one more time. All right, now it's time to talk about an already drafted NHL prospect. And in this case, we're going to talk about an undrafted NHL prospect and Aaron Luchek, who was recently signed as a free agent by the Ottawa Senators. So Luchek is uh, playing his overage season in the OHL, and he was recently traded to the Barry Colts and is signed by the Senators as a free agent, as I said, and he is currently leading the OHL in both goals and points. Uh, I had a chance to watch him play live yesterday in Kingston as Barry came through town, and he was centering the Colts' top line with Andrei Svechnikov and another recently acquired player in Dmitry Sokolov. It seemed to me like the top line for Barry was on the ice almost the entire game. Uh, a lot of the times... When they were on the ice, they were dominant, especially on the power play. Luchek managed to pick up a point to carry his uh, current point streak with a assist in the game. Uh, he took a hard shot around the boards, 
and uh, Sveshnikov picked up a loose puck and set up Sokolov for a goal. One of the things I noticed about uh, Luchek is he's obviously a little bit undersized, just under six feet tall. I think he's more short than small. He, he seemed to play a, a reasonably physical game. Didn't seem to get pushed off the puck by the Frontenacs players very easily. And he's got a really, really good shot. He's a, a shoot-first kind of guy. Have you had a chance to watch this kid play? Do you have any thoughts on him, Ainsley? Yeah, I've seen a couple games of him. I'm not as familiar with him as you are. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the size, and that's something that has stuck out and probably one of the reasons why he was an undrafted free agent signing by the Ottawa Senators. He's also not the most explosive skater in the world, so he's not going to really dazzle anybody with his breakaway speed or his two-step quickness. But he does have exceptionally good hands, so he can actually make plays in tight spaces so he can do that under pressure which is he seems to have a very cool disposition when he does have the puck he has a determination to actually make plays under pressure and again he's one of those guys that I think he has the ability to really augment a power play very well because he sees the ice so well uh, and is able to both pass and shoot quite well. I th- I'm a little bit surprised by the uh, immediate jump in points, but it might be just because he is a 20-year-old player playing in his last year, likely in the OHL. So it's a good signing by the Ottawa Senators for sure, because you don't ever expect anybody to make that immediate jump to that level of scoring that he has to be the leading scorer in the OHL. But, you know, I think maybe going over to a more powerhouse team in the Barry Colts from Windsor is actually going to benefit him because he's going to be surrounded by better players and actually even though keeping all of his points his goals and assists aside it's just in his development he might be able to move his way from being a a guy who can help out as a as a third line player and he might wind up being like a Connor Brown or somebody like that who might be able to move up that scale and actually produce at a higher level yeah I was curious about his upside and it made me think of another player uh, overage player who had a over 100 points he's in led the whl in scoring and that's uh adam brooks who was actually drafted by the toronto maple leafs i yeah that's actually a really better comparison probably because yeah adam brooks is one of those guys again who was uh sort of he was passed over in his draft year originally uh in his first eligibility and then uh just found another level of his game another confidence with the puck and ability to make plays and then again was surrounded by better players on a better team and then it's one of those things where you need to be able to produce not only at the OHL or WHL level but in the AHL to be able to get that next opportunity to see if you can translate into the AHL but all things being equal, this is a very smart, savvy signing by the Ottawa Senators that gives them a free prospect who has a legitimate chance to be able to produce at the very minimum at the AHL level. Yeah, so from Fanny's perspective, though, looking at the Adam Brooks lesson, I would say tread with caution when pursuing this player as a free agent or by a trade or in your draft. Because as we've seen before, undersized players in their overage year who have a sensational scoring stats doesn't always translate at the higher level.